right right with gays. Oh yeah. Right right with gays. Oh yeah. Right right now. Right right with gays. Oh yeah. Hello everybody. Thank you once again for tuning into the world's greatest podcast that's recorded this Sunday night, October 30th at 8.51 p.m. I am your host, Leslie Falco, and with me is Aaron Orlovitz. Hey, guys. And also our friend and yours, Jamile. Hello. Also known as Gay Satan. Yeah, I would like to uh, say thanks for coming uh, wearing your Halloween costume. <laughs> You're a very convincing gay Satan. <laughs> Thank you. It's, Thank uh, you very it's much. delightful. So you're, we were just talking about this off the air. Circumcision. I want to come back to it. Yeah. Let's begin with circumcision. So, <laughs> so you are supposedly Jewish. Yes. From your dad or your mom or both? Um, but I, from my father's side. Mm-hmm. So you're technically not Jewish. Is that right, Aaron? Right. I and mean, that's like, correct. that's like, that depends on who you ask. Honestly. Yes. If you wanted to ask, if you wanted to ask some Nazis, they'd say yes. Yeah, that's true. That's but, true. But like uh, delight. So they so they get the negative parts of being Jewish, just not the <laughs> I, positive parts. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like the ultra religious would be would say that you know it has to be matrilineal or whatever. But I mean, the Israeli government. I was just reading about this. There's a woman having, named Edith Stein, yeah, who was born Jewish in like 1896. She converted in like 190 something to Catholicism mm-hmm. and became a nun. Oh, right. And then the Catholics try to claim that she was killed for being Catholic and not for being Jewish in the Holocaust. Yeah. She was made a saint. She was made a saint, but she was put in the (laughs) Holocaust because she was ethnically Jewish. Now that's cultural appropriation. Right? I I don't like that term, but that's some cultural appropriation right there. With like... Of all the things to culturally appropriate, the Holocaust feels <laughs> feels feels particularly upset. <laughs> oh my but, but, god! But I have no no leg to stand on. I have appropriated Judaism. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, my dad was kind of disillusioned with it when he got out of. I can you believe the back of that? We'll come back. Yeah. To that. <laughs> My dad was disillusioned with Judaism after his service in the Israeli army. Yeah. He'd gone over to be a communist Zionist and live on one of those kibbutz. Yeah. A lot of people have done that. Yeah. The kibbutz thing. What is a kibbutz? It's like a little like Jewish commune. They're like these farms in Israel that people like go and live on like farm and live like communally. Cool. Where does Israel get their water from? Isn't it a desert with like... There are rivers and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are rivers you can dunk people in them. I mean, it was referred to as a land of milk and honey. It was super desirable because, like, the farmland was was good. I thought that was Mesopotamia or something. No, no, that's Canaan, now Israel. Okay, all right. But, you know, that was all 2,000 years ago, and the climate has changed. It has changed, yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) 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 And it begins. The first, one of the most, one of the First books, most early published books. One of the books I read that was published earliest to discuss climate change was The Decline and Fall of the Rock by Edward Gibbon. Mm-hmm. He has a whole section about like wh- how the landscape changed between like, you know, the Roman Empire and when he was writing in the 1790s. Huh. 
and it was all deforestation. Well, we should go back to the uh, original topic. We were trying to talk about circumcision, and now we're yes, here. So. But then I wanted to jump in with all the books I've read to yeah. smart. Yeah, we- <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he needed to let everyone know that he's read books. Yes, I need to establish my credentials so that <laughs> when I discuss my behavior later, there's cognitive dissonance. <laughs> uh, so I'm not... Uh, so. My dad was pretty disillusioned. He came back. He knocked up a Catholic chick. He sold weed in Hawaii for a while. Um, and he and so I wasn't circumcised. He got a little bit back into the Kolomi congregation when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He ran the swimming pool at the JCC. Yeah, it did like, the reform thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, we, but so you are, you're not. Yet. And not bar mitzvah. Wait, so did you ever get kicked out of the JCC? Like when you were changing, were they like, who's this guy, who's this, this kid with an uncut dick this in the JCC? This like, goyam in the JCC. Someone, <laughs> someone mutilate his penis immediately. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Oof. no, I was about nine and uh, didn't start showing random strangers my penis until I was about 14. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So, what was that story? Well... So uh, there's this university, um, Leslie may have heard of it, the University of Utah, um, and they've got, and um, I used to go there after school in high school when I was uh, 14, or when I was in high school, um, and one day I was sitting there in the computer lab, this was when the Marriott Library had just opened, so um, the teacher resource center was uh public computer lab back then there were no passwords for the computers or anything and i was up there uh reading some erotic harry potter fan fiction at like four in the afternoon sounds great uh it, well, well i thought it was great and uh the guy what, what what does that erotic fan fiction consist of like what happens um uh, I cannot <laughs> remember exactly what like, did you write any or did you just did you just consume I did it? write some fan fiction when did I you? was like 11 or 12 and struggling with my uh, sexuality I wrote a fan fiction where a man and a woman get assimilated <laughs> by the Borg and finally experience erotic Ero- they finally experience erotic yes I think that's an adjective not a noun the okay. erotic. Assimilation. erotic okay they get yes. assimilated by the yes. Borg so they what? They become like agendered and then just fool around. I yeah, you know, it is to this day that fan fiction is sitting on like a Dell four eighty six PC four eighty six PC mm-hmm. that was that was purchased by my grandmother in nineteen ninety four and given to my father in nineteen ninety six. Um, it's sitting there in my mom's home, and I know she doesn't know how to use it um, because. She's too drunk um, since nineteen ninety six pretty continuously. Huh. And someday she's going to die and I'm gonna turn that computer back on and export all the TXT files to like a floppy. I think it is a three point five inch floppy drive. Wait, you wrote cool. this shit in like notepad? Yeah. Oh god. Is it all just one continuous yeah. line? <laughs> I was very <laughs> um, Was it weird like uh, when you were realizing you were gay? To like try and figure out uh, like what your role is in masculinity. Like as a guy who always thought he was straight, uh, like I felt like I had to be masculine. You know, like that was like the most important trait for like a man to have. But if you're gay, there's like effeminate gays. There's also like masculine gays. There's like a whole like, you know, subculture. So like when you're not exposed to that, I guess, what was it like to kind of find your individuality? Well, I didn't find my individuality until... 
15, 16 years after I started having sex. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm an atypical case of growing up in a dysfunctional childhood. Yeah. Because my parents were pretty gosh darn functional until my mom relapsed and went off the wagon. On what? Uh, alcohol. alcohol. Okay. Jinx. <laughs> or were you offering? <laughs> alcohol? No, alcohol. I don't have any. I wish. Mm. Um, the best podcasts are by people who are intoxicated. <laughs> no, I disagree entirely. I, so do I. That was a lot. Well, not on alcohol, at least. Mm. Um, are there podcasts for people who are high on other drugs? I mean, I oh, I guarantee there's a podcast over, for everything, man. Mm-hmm. I want to. Let's make this the acid cast. Do you no, know thank you. Drop a shitload of acid. Do you know what then... people who do? Do you know what uh, people who are listen to um, podcasts on acid do? They probably don't they podcast. Taste it. Oh, they the taste podcast. the podcast. I wonder what this podcast it's... tastes like. You got to do a lot of acid to get real synesthesia going. Yeah. So what, what were you talking about? Uh, um, oh yeah, figuring out. Yeah. What so kind I didn't of... have a lot of uh, pressure to be masculine or be one of the kids. I mean, my parents weren't be like sh- athletic or something. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I mean, you're also partly Jewish and that's not like a, the whole like athleticism thing. Like some of the things that go along with like typical masculinity. Sandy yeah, Koufax, I, homie. Yeah. Okay. You can name it. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Julian Edelman. But like, there's like, there's like, I'm not saying that there are no Jewish athletes. Mm-hmm. I'm just, what I'm there's like there plenty of famous Jewish cultural boxers. expectations, yeah, but the cultural expectations aren't like you're going to play football. Like no, that might be you're going to go to like, med school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I actually recently found out that my father had self-esteem issues relating from how much shit his mom gave him um, for not going to med school and not being a doctor. Yeah. That's why part of part of the reason he ran away from Detroit to uh, join Israel mm-hmm. or to go all oh. kibbutzy. Yeah. Um, the training farm. So before you could go to the real farm in Israel, you had to go to a training farm in New Jersey. And this was like 1963. And my dad had lived there for four months. He had one day off a month. At the training farm? Yep. Or he had one day off a week at the training farm. Yeah. And he would always hitchhike down into the city. Mm-hmm. So he got to like walk around Greenwich Village in 1963. Cool. Right? Be really cool. Yeah. So when you found out uh, what kind of gay guy you were, what did you find That's out? That's such a weird thing, Falk. What kind of gay guy you are? Yeah, dude. There's types. Well, there, well yeah, I mean, there's that's... six categories, what and are the categories? you can't break choose, it down for us. You can't choose your category. You take an exam, um, and you give them your top three choices. So think... But it's based on the needs of the gay. So the is needs... it, Jamal? Is it like being it's... gay? Like, are you born a bear, or do you choose to be a bear? It's a it's a Facebook quiz, Falconer. <laughs> what kind of gay are you? And then you click on it, and it oh, tells I know, you I know which that. one I know you that. are. But it's still that may be innate. You know, you may not be choosing to answer those questions, dumbass. I've always I've always admired the really. Funny I don't think guys. you got the joke. <laughs> I got it. I. I've I've always really admired the really feminine gay guys, um, just like you know, because they're out there broadcasting their sexuality. There are plenty of closet cases um, who you know walk around like working so hard to do, and then there's also the ones who like overcompensate. Who yeah, I'm gay, but I'm gonna have a regular career and be a normal person and prove that they aren't all, that we aren't all weird. Isn't that 
Is that overcompensating, or is that just? I guess no. is that just like kind of giving in to mainstream culture? By the way, I selling kind of, out maybe. Yeah, I, and, and like an Uncle Tom gay guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> an Uncle Gay. Yeah, I wonder what that would be called. A gay uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. God, I don't know. I Andy Cohen, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's um. I'm sure he has money fine qualities. I actually only know about him that he creates reality shows. And so why would I make up disreputable things about him? I didn't feel like strong expectations to be anything, um, but I, I was did have strong pressure to not bring any additional troubles home or any additional uh, shit to deal with home. Um, so, you know, I didn't bring anything home to my parents at all. Yeah. Um, so I could go do whatever I wanted as long as they did it in a fashion that um, didn't draw my parents' attention. And whatever I did, even if it was perfectly normal behavior um, for a teenager, if it drew my mother's attention, it would be unpleasant because then I would have to speak with her or have an encounter with her. Yeah, and she was drunk all the time. And do you I, think that was a good method of parenting now that you got addicted to meth and got hepatitis? Well... I think we're I, I jumping. Quarrel, I'm not sure. Good, good is a strong word, sir. Uh, it wasn't a method of parenting. It was just what happened. It was a. It was. I don't. I don't think anyone plans. No one plans to go out and be a drunk and see if it fucks up their kids. You know? <laughs> My mom was drunk and I was ten, and that caught. And that is a how my life was shaped. Yeah. Um, if, if I were going to get upset about people doing bad things, you know, I've been to Cambodia, Pol Pot. I, so when I did normal teenage things and my parents became aware of them, it could end badly. Uh, the first time I ever got invited to a party in high school, um, it was a New Year's Eve party and my mom and I don't think anyone there was over 18. There was probably some booze around, but no one was drunk on New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. except for my mother, who called the party like six times over the course of the evening because she had forgotten where I was um, and or forgotten that she had called earlier or was just upset with me and had forgotten why. Um, And that was an incredibly unpleasant experience. And things like that taught me to have a life that was to compartmentalize every aspect of my life away from my mother. And once you learn how to compartmentalize, it's easy to do it. So I started banging a lot of guys when I was like 14, 15, um, and just compartmentalized that totally away from uh, every, from my social life and my friends um, and didn't think there was any, and it seemed perfectly natural and normal to me. Um, I, a lot of... And what was this in Utah? Uh, yeah, Salt Lake. Uh, in fact, the first time I ever had sex with a guy, it was in the Marriott Library. In like, the library? Yeah. Where? Uh, bathroom on the floor right above, um, <laughs> on the second floor, but not like counting from the basement, but like the floor in right the stall. above. Um, you know how if you're in like the main building section and you go into the men's room, there's that wooden door right inside? That's actually a whole separate bathroom. Back in those days, um, that was the handicapped stall, and they had their whole separate uh, room with a heavy wooden locking door. I think it's locked up now because of what all What if there that. was a dude in a wheelchair who like really had to take a dump, and you guys were in there banging? <laughs> well, it didn't take very long. 
So, you know, he would have seen... It was uh, the first know, time. And, and, and I think those rooms are really more for statutory rape than for uh, handicapped people to defecate. Were you, oh, nervous, about, were you nervous about your performance your first time? Did what you know, performance? Did you know spent if... over a sink for four minutes. <laughs> um, did you know you wanted to be a bottom or a top? No, it's difficult because I wasn't like making rational um, decisions at that time or ever. Um, <laughs> Um, so no, I just, you know, felt, I felt a biological, I felt a animal brain hypothalamus urge to engage in sexual behavior and then did it without much, you know, mm -hmm. um, without like, did much you know you, rational decision making mm -hmm. in between. Did you know that you wanted stuff in your butt? Like, did you, did you ever like <laughs> masturbate by putting stuff in your butt when <laughs> no. you were a kid? I still don't do that. Really? I rarely do that. Well, I asked yeah. this because uh, we had uh, Black De La Roca on, who's mm -hmm. a uh, counselor for oh, child right. sex offenders. And there's a kid who really not likes- gay though. He just likes well, to put like, things yeah, in yeah, his yeah. No, but I'm just curious. Like if- uh, There's if, plenty of people who aren't gay who like I stuff know, in dude. their butt. I know that. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> and so are you, and so is Jamal. You know, I am. I and we genuinely, all... <laughs> I think, I, I think you guys probably like things in your butt more than me. Like, really, I've actually never had things anything in my butt. Well, I want to. I want to try it. You I've, gotta experience I, I've everything tried to like. I've tried to put like a finger up there, and I, I, I don't know. I think I have like an extra tight butthole. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you not take like really productive shits? Oh man! How often do you defecate? Um, I'm regular. I got a I got a regular like a bowel uh, movement like, every day. Yeah, m more than one every day. Does blood come out? No. Uh, no do you never. feel like an uncomfortable stretching? No, no. It then you're feels, fine. You're fine to put great. fingers in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> There's no medical uh, reason you should. <laughs> is is every gay man like a partial proctologist? <laughs> like does it like does it come with just like like you got to know a little bit? About buttholes? <laughs> I would imagine on average... I imagine I, that would be like if every straight man was a partial yeah. gynecologist. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know the inner workings well, I medically. Think they would know, I, would, I would trust the straight man to know more about vaginas than a gay man. So by that I logic, I would I trust a gay man would. to know more about buttholes than a straight man. Fair enough. But that's yeah. like a generalization. I imagine, I imagine the pattern trends that way. If but, I had you know, a real problem with my butthole and there were no doctors, I would go to a gay man. That would be your to second shot. Yeah. <laughs> After a, a doctor, man. you'd be like, "Hey, will you take hey, a look at my? <laughs> does my butthole look okay? Is that a rash? What how many that? How many fingers are you supposed to be able to fit in these? <laughs> Three. Why do you ask? Three. <laughs> Three. Um. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can your butthole like loosen over time? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like is there a well, lifetime? Everybody we were talking about something do you I do found butt, kind of do, interesting. Can you do butt kegels? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that's how you do I'm doing kegels. them right now. But, you know, everyone's um, everyone's butthole loosens over time. It's like any Remember that uh, pilot of Rick and Morty where Rick's like your butthole your rectum is still taut yet malleable? That's I've a medical done this fact. too many times. Yes. <laughs> Such a good show. I love that show. You know, they've teased me so many times. I've thought in like the last like six months, I thought that show was going to come back on the air three times. Oh. Yeah, they've been like, oh, it's coming out, and then it's not. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, you're saying you were, you were at the, uh, oh, the yeah. library so, or some shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the amount of time that passed from, um, like, so this guy was like 29, 
Oh God! Uh, and you were fourteen. Uh huh. He was. He was. He was. No, no, just listen. It's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah, it sounds pretty <laughs> fine. <laughs> it now. This dude was uh, honestly. I think he probably looked a lot like Falconer. Um, uh-huh. certainly in a position a lot like Falconer. You know. Yeah. Um, late 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 twenties, working on a grad thing. I would assume he's down in the library. It's like a weekday afternoon. He the, he leans over and sees some like gay pornography and some classy gay pornography. Like you know, I don't read fan fiction that has bad grammar. All right, okay? I don't think. Wait, like, so you I'm, were reading gay pornography? I was reading Harry Potter fan fiction. That was like, but like I, it was, it was like, probably text. it wasn't pictures. Yeah, yeah. It, so he was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, did you, this, did this guy just wander around random? No, no. Computers he was at the computer next. Dudes who he were, was at the computer next to me. He saw what I was. Um, Reading and, and and said, "Oh, that's nice." And I put my hand on his um, knee, um, and he was like, "Wow!" And what did he say? "You're bold" or something. <laughs> um, I don't think we exchanged any words other than that. Um, I, I say when I dis- when I tell the story, uh, um, I say that you know he said, "How old are you?" And I said, "I'm a freshman," and he must have assumed in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! And I, and I that was sounds not... like you would pass in court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, you know he's probably long dead. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton was president, okay, and God knows what's happened. Okay. Um. And so you know, I indicated that I wanted sex as well. And how do you indicate that? By touching his knee. Yeah, but um, yeah. and he and just from the way he said. Oh, you're bold. I mean, this was the 1990s. Even at the U, um, you know, guys are more likely to be a little bit closeted. And when people are closeted, they get the sexual they get the sexual um, urges out somehow. Most gay men learn learn how to have very compartmentalized sex lives because of their shame at being gay. And I sort of be and I learned how to have compartmentalized life of compulsive sexual behavior from my dysfunctional from you know not from my family from my life. dysfunctional family life yeah. um which is really sort of interesting um I mean my friends in high school knew I was gay very early on yeah. my mom to her credit one of the few things my mom never gave me shit about was being gay um if I had been willing to talk to her more than once a week, I think that would probably still have been true. She was a very progressive lady. I had a lesbian aunt. Um, but I was not informing anybody about, you know, the sexual encounters I started having so young mm-hmm. because I just didn't think that those were Im- – not only did I not think that was something you talked about, I didn't think that was something that had emotional consequences because nothing has emotional consequences. Because if you have Amen. emotions – if you have emotions, then you are vulnerable to the pain. Then you have to talk to your mother, and that's unpleasant. And no one ever wants to do that. I see. So that was that like was, that was like why you were like willing to like do yeah. these sorts of like you wouldn't because like if you just like closed yourself off and like you know kind of killed that like emotional part of like right? you know sexuality yeah. and whatnot, mm-hmm. you would you wouldn't have to speak to your mother anymore. Exactly. Well, at least that was like in well, your mind. That's how it felt. Uh, again, to the best, you know, it, looking back retroactively, my behavior fits that pattern. Mm. Um, but, you know, I didn't have 
I didn't keep a journal. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't keep a journal or anything, and I wasn't very good at processing my emotions, and still I'm not, so I couldn't swear that that's what was going on in my brain because I wasn't very aware of what was going on in my brain. When was your first emotional relationship or boyfriend? I have not had one. Wow. Damn. Okay. So wait, <laughs> and how, wait, how many men have you had sex with? Uh, three figures. So in the hundreds or like in the hundreds. below 200? Um, in between the year 2011 and... <laughs> Jamal is pulling out his spreadsheet. For the listeners why did at you, home, why did you Jamal record keeps, it? keeps a record of all well, of this. Well, I didn't record it until much later, until after I had come out. Um, you know, I... Oh, I can't think of a guy I kind of liked. Um, he was this bisexual dude I met in West Virginia after high school. <laughs> Uh, we went to the J- same job course center. Um, he was adorable. I think he's a heroin addict now. Um, but he taught me how to give good blowjobs. What did he? What did the way he, you his said he was this. adorable was like there was there was a tinge of something there. I, I, there yeah. was a tinge of something there. There. Um, he was a nice. Yeah, he was an. So we met in very similar circumstances. We were both smart kids who had had shitty upbringings and ended up in job corps. Um, we were both sexually open-minded and adventurous and 19 mm-hmm. and high energy and way too smart for the school, but way too emotionally fucked up for real society. Um, and we hit it off. Um, I fucked other dudes while I was at that job course center. He fucked both dudes and chicks. Um, but we were briefly roommates for a while and, um, he went and he said to me, giving oral sex is not about bringing your partner to orgasm. It is about bringing them as much pleasure as possible for as long as possible. And that's a very wise philosophy that has served me very well. And I hope your listeners will experiment it and find it as uh, half as useful. As you know. uh, <laughs> that's a new rule for that's like a new cult guideline. I, that's that's the that's we should going be teaching the, kids. That, we should the, be teaching kids that in middle school. We'll have fewer teenage pregnancies and maybe yeah. that yeah uh, better than like getting and fewer school shootings because they'll be more relaxed. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. A lot of those kids, the kids were, uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. So how do many, the, do the kids need to get off your lawn? No, I was going to say the kids who are, uh, who are getting, uh, blow jobs are not the ones who are at risk of shooting up schools. Typically. That's the point. If they got blow jobs, maybe they wouldn't shoot up the schools. What I'm saying is they're, it wasn't teaching people how to give good blowjobs isn't going to just make these kids suddenly and get And to be honest, jobs. it's something that you learn the skills better from practice, but I just mean, you know, philosophy stating that that is, you know, an acceptable cultural. Certainly, what if we, like, what if we, we taught the weird kids to give that. each other blowjobs? Well, yeah, because there's way. all sorts of power shit of like, <laughs> you need to have the kids give each other blowjobs. It's I mean, much in, better in a lot of societies, that each was, other. I'm that really was like, uncomfortable with this conversation. Well, one, <laughs> no, like, uh, one, there's all sorts of power dynamic issues uh, and God. authority figure issues if an adult blows the kid. It's just not a good idea. Clear. Um, <laughs> clearly. But, but if the kids don't blow each other, they're going to get like all pent up or just like spend all day watching TV. And that's not healthy. Okay. So what is your message to the kids? Blow each other. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like it. So you what, can't get you can't get HIV from a blowjob. You can't get syphilis. Well, you can't get the really bad diseases. You can't get anybody pregnant, um, and you can have a damn good time. There we go. I like it. Words of wisdom. <laughs> Message to the youth from of gay Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jesus, you know, doesn't go down there. Doesn't take many trips down south. He's got, he's got some hangups. He's it's all missionary, yes. you know, with Jesus. <laughs> That's weird because the South loves him. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so back to the spreadsheets. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, From two thousand, we were yeah. You were, assuming assuming that the formula I've constructed are correct. So what counts as they, sex? Blowjob, oral sex, since you think blowjobs are so important, For me, is that, does that if count? If I've entered it in the spreadsheet, it counts as sex. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the spreadsheet has like um, places where I mark like um, anal receptive, um, <laughs> mutual masturbation, Wait, whether for or not real? we to... Oh, can I take and, a look and, at this but, real but, fast? And then. Um, <laughs> And it start and then do you have graphs? Got, Are there graphs? No, did you no, rate them? I don't have graphs yet. But okay. these, <laughs> but here, you know, it um, it it constructs averages. You know, I've got little formulas. This is how I first learned how to reference how to use how on spreadsheets to use the um, exclamation point character to reference one tab when you're constructing an output in another t- to oh reference. Oh my god. Reference a value in one tab. This is incredible, Jamal. Dude, I hope that... Have you ever a applied for a job tab? where you need Excel I, and then you explain how you got Excel experience? <laughs> well, I was I was charting how many men I've had sex with. I, and all look, the look different at, ways. Look at this chart I made. Look is at these graphs. Isn't this a beautiful graph? In... I have error bars. How, how do you get error bars <laughs> with men that you've had sex with? Um... Well, by not constructing the formulas correctly, I actually have had, I, I discovered that the one formula that determines like what percentage I used protection with was constructed incorrectly. What percentage? Um, well, it depends on the year and I don't have yeah, a we graph want the yet. Number. Let's see. We yeah, want I want to know, I want to know if you've learned said, if it's gone up over oh, yeah, time. And, I took or... out the per- and that's why I took out the percent value. How many people, how many, um, what, what was, what was the question? I don't know. Uh, between seven and fourteen percent, depending of the on the year. Oh wow, that's pretty um, low. Why ever use, use it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like fears. if you're at right, but if you're at seven fourteen percent, well, you, know, you might as well say no just... if someone else, if uh, someone else requests. Okay, that's bad manners. All right. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but the number the number of um, sexual partners varies from between. As low as 19 and as high as 144. In, in a year? In the year, yes. Whoa. So give us the... Let's, yeah, let's, let's just add these up real quick. I want to do just the, you know, a rough guesstimation as to how many, how many dudes you've had sex with in your life. It, it um, a range from 19 to 144 is... It's hard to get you know, a... If I get but, all the years, then, then I'll create an average. How, what, give, me, give me all the years. You got um, four years? I've got the numbers 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Okay. How many numbers we got? Um, 1937, 144, 93, 49. Okay, cool. Well, You've me, already give done those, the, uh, Give you, those to me one more time. All right. So 19, okay. 37, 144, 93, 49. Christ. Awesome. This is great. And this is like the most boring thing we could do with this kind of information. (laughs) (laughs) Is to figure out out the average. (laughs) So that's five five years, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right. And then you've been sexually active for 15 years? Uh, 14 plus, yeah, 32 minus 14. Okay. That would so be 16. 16. Mm-hmm. Wait, four, so you're gonna 32 take... minus 14? No, that's 18. You're gonna, now, here's the thing. Whatever the average, average you're going to get... 1,231.2. That is extremely high. <laughs> and I'm first, impressed. I doubt that's yeah. the case. I but, don't, it, but it I could don't, well be over... <laughs> You know, in the Navy, I was as But only one was adorable. <laughs> that one, one out oh, of a thousand. Oh, no, 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 no. Only one of them do I have any fond feelings for. Some okay. of them were, I'm sure some of them were, I'm sure many of them were very nice people. <laughs> but that's just like incidental to the sample, okay? It, that wasn't the criteria I was using for selection. Anyway, we should go. We we've like just gone so far off of like the narrative here. What is the narrative? We were in the library, and then oh, like yeah. because we need to I, get through Jamile's life to get to the like weird shit later. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so when I was in high school, I'd have sex a few times a year with two or three guys. Um, at the same time. No. Um. I. I. I mean, and and. Back then, they'd be guys I'd met in public because the internet had not advanced to become a useful piece of technology yet. Um, well, by maybe junior or senior year, there was like gay.com. Um, <laughs> gay.com. <laughs> the very aptly named gay.com. They shut down that website um, because no one was on it anymore just <laughs> last year. Because of Grindr? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Everything's all, well... RIPgay.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe if they had gotten with the times and developed a Remember phone Remember when we used gay.com they, to yes. fuck each other? I have... There are people I could say that to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, no, there's not, because they don't actually remember anyone I met off that website. I know I had a profile. Oh! I think maybe my sister's very best friend um, is a gay guy. Well, aside from her fiance, my sister's very best friend is a gay guy um, who I had met on one of these websites in like 2004, and we had briefly hooked up in an aband in a house that was under construction up in Federal Heights. <laughs> That's kind of where, rad. Like, people I like were that moving a lot. Or something. The house was empty, dude. And he, had I would love key. that. That would be like my jam. And and then I never spoke to him again. And five years later, about five years later, my sister introduced me to this guy who she had become close friends with. And I said, "Oh, it's nice to meet you." And he said, "We've met." <laughs> oh, that's what, what percentage of gay people in Salt Lake City do you think you've had sex with? Oh, two, two percent tops. Oh, seems low. No, that seems really fucking. There's only there's only there's only two hundred thousand people in Salt Lake City. Yeah, but that's one so twenty thousand gays and lesbians, and that would be one in fifty. Like, and I wasn't even counting lesbians. Let's assume there's yeah. like ten to fifteen thousand gays. Yeah. I've had sex with a hundred fifty of them. That's one percent. Am I doing that math wrong? That's no, way that's less. About than right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fucking crazy. Like, because <laughs> a lot of gays move from here. Yeah. Oh, I imagine there's so. Right. This, this, to cal- this place yeah. isn't 
Like, I mean, I know that like there's a lot of like cool stuff here and there's like a lot of great things. And I really like Salt Lake City, but I could totally understand why someone who uh, would, would want to leave. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, I think it totally sucks other than the outdoor stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're probably as likely to meet someone I've had sex with in San Diego as you are in Salt Lake. Well, that's not true. There are probably equal numbers of people I've had sex with in San Diego as in Salt Lake. But anyway, so you, we, we, we covered at, at this. At this point, I'm not all that dysfunctional. I'm just a fucked up little kid. You know, yeah. there are lots of those. You, uh, and I'm less fucked up than some kids who are ashamed of being gay and from dysfunctional families. I'm just from a dysfunctional family. That's half as fucked up. Yeah, right. Like, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you do, Jamile, you do seem to have, like, in, like, I've known you for a while now. Uh, you do seem shameless. Like, you seem to be... The sort of, you are very open about everything. Like, uh, to, to quote Oprah, um, shame is the killer. And I'm, ashamed, <laughs> and I'm ashamed of nothing in my life except the fact that I've listened to Oprah. Um, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, it, it is. It, I'm, I make an effort to talk about these things for my own benefit. Yeah. Um, we are mentally healthier if we do not have secrets. Said gay Satan. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll be healthier if you tell me all your secrets. You know, I'm just in... don't do it at open mic because uh, if you use open mic for therapy, you should pay the audience what you would pay a therapist. <laughs> oh, man. So please come use open mic as therapy and pay the audience. Yeah, yes. <laughs> actually, you bring candy. So you actually do. You do pay the audience sometimes. Yeah. So continue. Where was I? Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, um, that's not at all an uncommon path for someone to take. Um, what happened next is um, I, I failed to graduate from high school. Which is why you ended up going to Job Corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There was a brief interlude in between where I worked for two weeks at the St. Regis Hotel in Fleischmann's, New York, mm-hmm. which caters to the Hasse community out of uh, Brooklyn. Okay. They opened up for... Um, they opened up for Passover. Yeah. And I was, you know, in Philly looking for a job mm-hmm. and pretty goddamn broke and a high school dropout. Yeah. And they were so psyched to have anyone down there who knew what kosher meant. Yeah. So they moved me up for two weeks. I spent two days setting up beds. Then I just worked in the kitchen washing dishes. Then they gave me 200. Then I gave me 200 bucks and a bus ticket back to Philly. Huh. Boy, were they nuts. The Hasids, the Hasids oh are well. The Hasids are all right, but like Orthodox Jews no. in general are pretty wild. Like I, uh, I, I was having a conversation with one of the wives, and she was saying, "Well, obviously my husband's voting for Bush, but I'm really looking for a reason to vote for John Kerry." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like the Hasids, as far as like so, to our listeners who aren't necessarily aware of these sorts of things, there's not there's a lot of different like sects of uh, Orthodox Judaism and the Hasids tend to be a little cooler. The, I mean, there's shitheads yeah. in every group, but like there are, there are Orthodox Jews that will like throw rocks at women who wear shorts and stuff. There was one guy who was so adamant about not walking over ground that dead people were on that when he got on a plane, he sealed himself in a plastic bag because he felt that made it okay to go over graves. Because he, he was passing over graves in an airplane. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's relatively unlikely. I, no, I can't. No, I, it's for an sure outlier, people have died. About, like, 
Well, it, I guess it depends on like that's how. That's a really thin. Is it like the shadow right? of the airplane? Like it's how do you I guess how do you determine? I would figure it was just your body, like that size, make yeah. like a line all the way uh, down yeah, to the right? ground, and if like that vampires crossed... going over running water. Yeah, but I guess no. Hmm. I I'm trying to. I read it in a book. What if you so... What if you like that's burn, weird. What if you're cremated and then you spread your ashes like. A water supply. Oh, that's true. And then <laughs> Into you the drink ocean. Because <laughs> yeah, how many we people inhale... have died in the ocean? Probably a lot. Shitloads. Like I've right? probably yeah, swallowed. I've probably swallowed like a molecule from like a dead guy who died in the ocean. Like yeah. up his, until like... very recently, it wasn't uncommon for ships to get underway and never be heard from again. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, well, that's. You I know guess... what else is weird to think about? Like when someone makes you a sandwich. Like some of their skin is getting on your food, so you're probably like eating <laughs> like some amount some of particles human. of dead skin. Yeah, you're like eating your can Your just, sandwich is probably like point zero 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 one percent human. By I think weight. that's I think that's probably the acceptable amount of cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> is point zero. But over zero, time, zero, over zero, time, like you probably eat. You might eat enough human flesh. To make up a whole person. I don't know. Oh, not possible. a whole person, but maybe like a steak of human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> like one big T-bone of human flesh. Yeah. But anyway, so that apparent, so that's not that uncommon of a thing. Yeah. You uh, eventually, so you were in Job Corps. When did you uh, join the Navy? Because you, you were in the Navy, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you, what, like, what compelled you to join the Navy? Oh, boy, was I broke and needed a job. That, so that's what compelled you to join, is yeah. you just needed money yeah. why the navy um i knew the ranks from star trek ah okay i i could never really tell the difference between a lieutenant colonel and a colonel but god damn it i knew the difference between lieutenant commander right between lieutenant commander data and commander Riker. right um <laughs> that's awesome i at the time i had the idea that i would go go overseas stay away from the iraq war uh see asia um then come home and the navy would pay for college yeah. Um, and I was right. I was going to say, isn't that exactly what happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, not, I mean, I guess. A the, community college, but it didn't go college. off. How many, it how didn't many go guys? off without a hitch, though, mm-hmm. because while you were in the Navy is when you like started getting pretty crazy, right? No. How many dudes um, did you bone in the Navy? A bunch. That were in the Navy. Well, the only year in the spreadsheet that I was in the Navy uh, was the first one. And I want to say... That was um, like 36 or something? 32. 32. Yeah, so 32. So it went up um, after I got out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. But the really worrying thing, looking back on it, is the quality declined. That's what I've been doing wrong. Because those 32 that years in the Navy, there's there's Marines, there's... Um, <laughs> je- I, I say genders you can't pronounce in cities you can't find on a map. Mm-hmm. Or on ma- I say to people, I've had sex with genders they can't pronounce in countries they can't find on a map. But you guys are smart. You know where Cambodia is? Of course. Um, but, you know, it really was that cool. I, <laughs> I, I'd have long periods of celibacy where I was just working really hard. And then we'd have a port visit or I'd take some Shore leave. leave. Yeah. And it would be exactly that. Um, I took leave to fly to Thailand once, 10 days. No, seven days, sex, 11 times with 10 guys. Um, Wild. That was back, remember when there were those Facebook maps that would say what percentage of the surface? I did a map just for where those guys were from. 
one thing about going to like a tourist mecca like Bangkok is there's dudes from all over the world and they're on vacation too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Yeah. So did you bone a dude from every continent? Uh, yep. in one week, <laughs> Antarctica, <laughs> Russia, Russia, Brazil, Russia, Brazil, France, um, America, uh, Camb- uh Thailand, um, missing Africa. Yeah. I had Racist. a chance. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I've made up. That's one thing I've changed for the better since I got out um, of the Navy. Yeah. But I anyway, started having sex with Africans. Well, black guys. When did, but like, so like. So I said, that's when things started to get crazy. You said no. Yeah. So when did things start to get like really shit? You like shit hit yeah. the fan at some point in your life. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and you've known me for most of it because uh, of when well, shit hit the fan. I don't think I tried meth when we met. When did we meet? In like 2011? No, like 2013, maybe 20. Yeah, like 2013, 2012, 2012. 2013. Yeah. Then I tried it, but um, I then I tried it and it. Came, everything came off the rails shortly thereafter. Why did you decide to try it? Um, well, there's just not much in civilian life that is as fun as exciting or exciting as being able to go to Bangkok and fuck drag queens or, you know, or, or go all over the world and do stuff like that. So you were mm-hmm. bored. Yeah. Basically. I think that's like why a shitload of people try drugs. No, right? totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think most of life, like, <clears throat> like happiness in life, I think is just sufficiently distracting your brain from the fact that life is inherently meaningless and that you're going to die. Yeah, and, and it's all yeah. and nothing means anything. So drugs but are joy, like the perfect solution to that. They are. Um, well, yeah, but happiness is a bad goal. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so you got back, and then yeah. you started doing the drugs. Yeah. See, I thought you started in, doing in the drugs general, when you were in the Navy. No. Oh. No, you, no, you couldn't do drugs in the Navy. I, I know, but you were like, I weed. thought you were like, I was like, because I had really, I had a friend who did mushrooms once, oh. and that was my entire involvement with drugs for four years. Okay. It was seeing so one had you, friend. So had you do. never done drugs until you tried meth? I, do, I had smoked some weed in high school, and I had... Done some drinking, but not that much. I had a few drunk nights in the Navy. Um, I had had some alcohol use episodically with a couple of very drunk nights in the Navy, but no patterns. Um, I had used some weed, but not much or that often and not since high school. And then just jumped into the meth. What got you there? Did someone be like, hey, man, you want this meth? Or were you just like, man, I'm going to try meth. Was it, was it like in high school, you know, when like the dude is like, hey, man, you need to chill out. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, Come on, um, man. Just grab one a, Grab a drag of this meth. <laughs> just one puff, man. It's, it'll make you cool. funnier than that. So big picture, I'd come back. I'd run away from being dysfunctional for a few years. And then I came back and tried to be functional. And that's a very stressful thing for a dysfunctional person to do. Mm-hmm. I'd got a boyfriend, but because I was still using bad, bad criteria, I had chosen someone who was amusing and extremely intelligent and extremely funny and not, you know, good. Sounds um, a lot like myself. <laughs> um, Shut up. <laughs> God damn it. Shut your fucking mouth. Aaron is the opposite of all of those things, and that's why he's upset. <laughs> it is. It's exa- I am gross yeah. and bad and unfunny. Um, you're funny. Thanks. Um, <laughs> well, Jamile's not funny, so his opinion so is worthless. Big. So that's the big picture. And then the specific picture was the Navy. I had joined the reserves. 
mm-hmm. after active duty and honorable discharge and all the medals and shit, I joined the Navy Reserves. And that, and I did use drugs in the reserves. They had sent me to, um, I was being sent every quarter to Long Beach, mm-hmm. to Seal Beach. I'd go down uh, from Wednesday to Sunday. Um, Guy Sedome gave me a great piece of advice when I asked him where to get stage time in L.A. He said, oh, no, just go see comedy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I'd fucking take the rental car the Navy was paying for and drive up and go to, like, um, Nerd Melt. Yeah, you'd go see, like, yeah. like those shows. Like- I stole Hardwick's cell phone, man. But that's another story. Um, Did you, you stole Chris Hardwick's cell phone? I gave it back. Oh, okay. So... But, you know, I saw Kamel Nanjiani at the Improv. I was, like, this far from Kristen Shaw. Yeah. But then there were nights when I'd stay in Long Beach and try to get laid. And there is nothing to do in Long Beach, California, but Latino twinks and meth. Um, I had so met when a very, in Rome? Well, I had met a very smart Latino twink, a smart, funny guy on a trip in December. Um, amazing dude, hot, smart, uh, cute all the good stuff we had had some good sex in my hotel room and and i came back three months later and i called him up again and uh i'd left my i had left my credit card at the improv when i went to seek mail i had had to drive back to get it i was stressed out because you know i was stressed out because i had spent all this time on the goddamn la freeways in my fucking the navy blue camouflage which is horrible clothing um, on many levels, and I called him up and said, you know, I've had a long day. I'm up to do whatever. You just tell me what to do. Let's do something fun. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, how about a three-way? I'm like, okay. Um, we go and we collect this guy, a um, uh, little bit older, um, not great in the face, but super <laughs> cut because he just got out of jail. Um, and they get some math to do together. And, and like this twink actually said to me, Hey, you should not, um, I, this is just for us. We're going to do this in the bathroom. You shouldn't try it obviously. Cause you're in the Navy and stuff. And I was like, okay. And you know, about, um, but sex with people on meth is no fun unless you're on meth. Why is that? First, chemically, <laughs> it's very difficult to get that level of dopamine from sex. And plus there's. A very different headspace. Sex, good sober sex is about providing someone who you like or kind of like or think is hot physical pleasure or getting them to provide it to you. It's an act. Um, Sex on drugs is about being high and using the sex to further the high. I'm being very authoritative here. I, I, I should generalize a lot, and I'm not a neuroscientist. We don't want to offend our meth users who uh, have sex for pleasure, you know, not just to extend right, the high. Right, you know, those people are out there and more power to them. Um, it's one of the most dangerous drugs on the planet, but even that still only means like a serious addiction rate of like 45 to 55%. Um. So there's a lot of people out there. So meth who is can still getting an effort getting people addicted meth. to it. When when a real drug that people do get genuinely addicted to after trying it once comes out, we're pretty screwed. Like a so so these dudes did meth, and you were like, "I'm not going to do it because I'm in the navy." No, well, no, well, they the were like, "You shouldn't do this." To. Yeah, but then you did it anyway. And I said, "Well, let me try ahead of that," and it was fun, and I stayed up all night. Um, 
And it was fun, and I stayed up all night having sex with, I think what ended up being four guys in total. Um, and aside from the fact that, you know, I had the rental car and had to be everybody's ride, it was great. <laughs> and then, you know, I went back and did it again three months later, but didn't do it in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And I came back to Salt Lake and didn't do it for three months and went back. And that cycle continued for about a year, and that was fine. You know, I'd come back to Salt Lake, and I'd go to work at uh, Wells Fargo, and I would um, do the open mics at, God, was it the Complex then, or Moe's, or wherever? One over the other. Um, And I'd be very unimpressive. Um, But So that's what happened. But it was having some long-term effects. It exacerbated my pre-existing exasperation. Exacerbated. It exacerbated my pre-existing depression a little. Instead of having to take a couple days to be sad every couple months, I take a week off work once a month, give or take, rising and falling. Um, during one depressive episode, I quit my job at the hotel company, but then I went and got another job at Wells Fargo at the bank. Um, shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was... And so I was working at Wells Fargo. And you know how all those people got fired from Wells Fargo? Yeah. And how they're, it's a horrible place to work? Well, yeah. Um, so that wasn't great for my mental health. Mm-hmm. And then it encouraged you to do meth more? It was hard what to if, get what through if Wells that Fargo, job. What if yeah. Wells Fargo like treats their employees like shit to encourage them to do meth because they also make meth? The profit margins in math are way too small. Yeah, but it's I, not, I not really a Wells Fargo type Did you business. ever make it? Uh, no, I did not. But anyway, um, so you... I neither made it nor paid retail for it, but let's... <laughs> um, so yeah, so in 2013, in the fall of 2012, spring of 2013, I did it a couple of times in Salt Lake, and I tried IVing it for the first time, intravi- injecting it intravenously for the first time in January of 2013 damn and a few weeks thereafter um and that i was curious i had enjoyed uh smoking it um i had not enjoyed snorting it the one time i tried that my sign um at that i was curious there was someone who thought it would be sec us fun sexually to do that to me it was um but it's also fucking hell you feel terrible afterwards and then I had my last deployment for the reserves. I got called up, and I spent three months in... Well, I, had, I spent a month in Okinawa, um, which was my regular yearly thing. And then I had volunteered for three months in Guam. And that was a blast. I had no, wor- I had no drugs. I wasn't drinking. I had nothing to do. Um, I worked for four hours a day. I had a rental car, I had a free car, free hotel, I was scuba diving, I was doing whatever I wanted, spending as much money as I wanted, I got this iPad, I got a new computer, um, and still, when I got back, I had like $13,000 in the bank, and a job at Wells Fargo, and what I should have done, what I would recommend to people who have money and a job at Wells Fargo is to quit. But I'd never quit a job, so I needed to find a way to sabotage myself out of it. And, you know, I liked math, and that almost made working at Wells Fargo bearable. <laughs> Although I don't think there's any job that can manage that. 
That should be in a job interview. Mm-hmm. What's this job like? <laughs> well, if you're on meth, it's almost bearable. You can, if you take some meth, you can almost, and you can almost stand working here. Look, I have had two friends who went to work in that call center and quit within months. Oh yeah, I mean those yeah. sorts of jobs. I, I I've heard yeah. only horror stories. Mm-hmm. And it's not like anything about the calls. Loved my job at the hotel call center. Yeah. Um, it's the finance industry. Yeah. I had a guy, my friend, a friend of mine is a broker, you know, which mm-hmm. is like money. Hated Wells Fargo. Couldn't stand it. Um, so Wells Fargo got you addicted to meth? No. Wells Fargo um, happened to be worse than meth at the same time I was addicted to meth. But there's no causal relationship there. Okay. But you got I want to be clear about that. Yeah. You got home, you were like, ugh, I hate my job, I got nothing, and I have all this money in yep. the bank, and, and meth I is kind of cool. I didn't have the courage or planning skills to, like, just, you know, quit and mm-hmm. honestly look at my life, so I just, like, hated going in, and then, after a month, stopped going in without giving notice. So what Last the- day, I went out to their call center, looked at the door couldn't handle it, sat down at the duck pond by their call center, read a book, saw I was getting calls from my boss, thought, meh, fuck it, and got back on the bus and went home. Like I said, I was not very good at thinking through my own actions. Um, And meth made it worse, and I was caught in a spiral there from about October 2013 till March 2014. I didn't work, I just did drugs, and I had money to pay the bills, and it's a cheap drug. And I had a cheap apartment, um, and you don't need much food. Um, Especially when you're doing meth, right? Precisely. Yeah. And so, you know, I hung out with some friends who were promiscuous gay meth addicts, and literally nothing interesting happened to me for six months. (laughs) It's amazing how much sex you can be having and nothing interesting is happening to you. (laughs) I mean... How much after sex did you have that year? Well, after is that one forty four? I believe that's one forty four. That's the. But I mean, no, that's total. I mean, at a at a certain level, I mean, sex is cool. But I mean, yeah, one hundred fifty one hundred one hundred fifty nine men, one hundred forty four of whom I had not had sex with. I had not had sex with prior to that year who were new. Um. <laughs> Um, 80 of whom were anonymous, whose names I didn't get. Um, Whoa. So a uh, little so more, more than, than half, half of them, you didn't know their names. I had 45 <laughs> awesome. groups of three or more. In those groups, the average number of participants was 3.6. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, these spreadsheets are incredible. But sadly, 81% of my sexual encounters, I was high. You have that written down too? Yeah. The Okay. Damn. Um, so, increase in quantity, decrease in quality. So, what, what, are, what were the benefits of, of doing meth? Um, the dopamine rush is great. You get your focus. You get all the benefits of Adderall. If you take 300 Adderall... All at once. It's like, it's really euphoric, right? It's like Adderall with like a shitload of euphoria. Yep. And and obviously, you know, once you've got that euphoria, you want to have more of it. Yeah. Plus, you get into the subculture of um, guys who have sex with each other while high. And that at least was interesting. It was a new experience. And I met a couple of decent guys in that subculture. Um, I 
don't talk to them anymore because, you know, they might be dead or high, and that's sad. <laughs> I had... <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, I didn't do much comedy. I didn't get out. I didn't see my friends and family. Um, in addition to this spreadsheet, I had downloaded huge amounts of pornography and sorted and organized it using Apple script programs I had written myself that allowed me to download pictures from Tumblr, categorize them, and put them in certain folders. Did um, your, did your both use Both Apple of, script and Automator. Did your use of condoms go up or down and, during the meth period? Uh, that's probably like, you know, the it, it 7 looks like here. it. It looks like it went up, but that's a statistical anomaly. Um, it went up by the margin of error. <laughs> well, so what's happening is technically, well, technically, no, it went from, actually, no, it stayed relatively steady, 7%. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I bet it Did looks, you also catalog STDs you got per year? No. Because I only got one STD in that time. It's just the incurable one. Uh, the incurable and fatal one. I got more, as, and that's the same number of STDs as the number of STDs I got um, before I used meth. It's just, you know, the clap they take care of. Yeah, it's one time, it's a pill, and then you're done. When you say, say, what do you mean when you say... painful injection. The sir, big one, the... the fuck, it, it, it's, it's a very painful intramuscular injection into your butt. Oh, it is? The... Yeah, it's... The... It's, the, the well, the meat of the butt. Yeah, it's the yes. it's, but it's just like penicillin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had chlamydia. If it weren't for BYU, I never would have either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. God, um, I I think right. This is the part where I'm supposed to say I got better, right? Oh, uh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Did you? I, you or will. or we could be in the middle. Yeah, you know? each, that's interesting. Yeah. Too. And like, and I no, no, like to, I, you I, can I'm be. I am on meth right now. <laughs> um, You're on like rock top. <laughs> what is rock top? It's before rock bottom. You know, ah. you're like on the rock okay. where you go to the bottom, but you're not at the bottom yet. You're not no. at the bottom of the rock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're on the rock. You're, you're just on not a at meth the bottom rock. of the rock. It's a meth rock, right? It does. And then when you smoke it, you're at the bottom because it's gone. You're you burn it all the way down. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, okay. You say the incurable curable one. There's more than one. Uh, like we're, the HIV. Yeah, we, HIV. HIV. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I didn't know that, actually. That's a, that's, a, that's a bomb being dropped on the podcast. Jesus. Right at the end, too. Yeah. I guess I'm doing that now, manipulatively, emotionally, to get you to invite me back next week to talk about <laughs> I don't know we've tried to make stuff that's typically not funny funny and been pretty good I don't know if I can make HIV very funny I mean well, I like to call it practice. high five yeah did you that's think fun. Did, you, you probably got it from the intravenous drug use almost certainly yeah. I was having unprotected sex at the same time yeah. with people whose status and name I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so I can't say with a mathematical certainty. I mean, if I was course. trying to get high five, mm -hmm. that's but, what I would do to try and get it. Yeah. Oh, God. Intravenous drugs? Yeah. And, yeah. Especially and in unprotected this fucking gay state sex with strangers. We, yeah. Especially in this state because we don't have fucking needle exchanges. Yeah, isn't that the weirdest? I visited one in Denver just to see what it was like. And it's like a place where you go 
and give them your used needles and they dispose of them safely and they give you fucking clean needles. It's the and best. It's, it's yeah, a, it makes a whole lot of sense. If Probably there had been one of those yeah. in downtown Salt Lake, I don't think it would have HIV or hepatitis. Yeah. It is significantly less likely because I would have used the needles if I had had them, but I've had pharmacists here refuse to sell them to me when I tried to buy them. You should have gone to, I have needles in my lab. I would have given well, you some needles. <laughs> live and learn. Should um, I post that on Craigslist? I'll be like, yo, if you're having I got clean anonymous needles. gay sex and intravenous meth use. I got clean needles. I'll help you figure out how you got high five. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it not from the needles. It's really, though, if we called it high five, wouldn't that reduce some well, of the nowadays, stigma? Well, nowadays, one thing, though, HIV isn't necessarily fatal, right? Like most, like, like with the right, like with like the right treatments and stuff, like you with, basically yeah. live. With the expensive drugs, which I get for free. I was going to say the, the VA. VA. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is likely that I will live long enough to die of something, of something else. else. Like get cancer or something. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. Optimism. <laughs> <laughs> cancer's not a bad, cancer's not a bad way to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pr- actually, it's a horrible fucking Well, it depends on what kind of cancer Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it can be a really brutal thing or it can just kind of take you. Yeah. But I mean, oof. well, I mean, luckily you and have, you know that, you have that great VA, mm-hmm. you know, you got them VA benefits and stuff that dude, the hepatitis, you're going to live for a while. Shout out to the VA. Cured. Shouts out. Shout out. <laughs> yes. My hepatitis is almost cured. Six weeks ago, they took a sample of blood and they counted approximately 6 million uh, virons in the whatever, in the nanomilliliter. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago, they took another. And counted 17. Nice. Right? Okay. One for two, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good odds. If you were a baseball player, you'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but, but the difference is, and I just read this today, with the retrovirus like HIV, the reason it's incurable is once that little strand of RNA gets into a T cell, gets into one of your immune yeah. cells, the ones it destroys... Once it replicates, that bit of code actually gets into that cell's code. So, so when the cell time, replicates yeah, itself, it's how, it's how it, it is works. capable. Oh, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what if you that could, is. Uh, if, you could, if we could somehow engineer T cells, it would probably be worse than HIV. But yeah. theoretically, if we created an antibody that would kill all of your body's T cells <laughs> and then gave you someone else's T cells, you wouldn't have HIV. But then you, would that, have, you may have no method that of happened. creating T cells. That happened in um, Europe to a guy who needed a bone marrow transplant. And was positive. He was on all the treatments, so his viral count was like uh-huh. undetectable. Uh-huh. And they replaced his bone marrow with somebody else's. And so he was making new T cells that weren't producing virons. Uh-huh. So there were no so there was no HIV virons being produced by his body. So he had right. essentially been Although, cured. But of course, you know, that's because all the old T cells in his body died, which is not fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which is worse than AIDS. Right. Yeah. Oof. Oh, also, I, so, yeah, so, you know, everybody thinks somebody fucked a monkey in the 70s, and I'm sure they did, because the <laughs> 70s were a good time. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, inject yeah. meth and yeah, fuck yeah, monkeys, yeah. you know, that but was the actually, 70s. Um, what if they got HIV from sharing meth? It's very hard to get it up on meth, meth so people oh, in meth bet. would want to get fucked by monkeys rather than fuck monkeys. Oh, yeah, then how does meth sex even work? I imagine it's like nearly impossible. Uh, Viagra's. Right? Yeah, um, I imagine. Vi- Viagras, and apparently if you're very careful about being hydrated, and sometimes simply by lying on the internet, 
um, or in trying to overlap the group of people who are on meth and want anonymous sex as a bottom and people who are deeply closeted and want anonymous sex as a top. Oh, so you just find someone who wasn't on meth. Mm-hmm. Oh. Again, BYU. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a movie told in non-linear time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where, like, the end, it's like, yeah. and here's yeah. how This is the Quentin Tarantino happened. of podcasts. Yeah, this is our this Quentin is... Tarantino episode. Chris, Christopher Nolan. Where but, all the, you know, yeah, all yeah. the strings come together at the end. And, whatever, uh, the, now, whatever the porn equivalent of Christopher Nolan's memento is. Christopher I think the, No I think Man's... The... Go ahead. Methento, I don't know. Crap. Well, I think that now all the strings have come together. We can uh, we can end the podcast. I think so, man. I think Jamile probably still has a lot of interesting shit to say. We'll have a conversation after this. I think I feel like uh, we had a happy ending. I think relatively, I the, there is no <laughs> ending. I mean, there is you, no ending. One thing but... for our for our audience, uh, Jamile, how you have been sober for a while now, correct? Yes, you went to treatment in. Like like a year ago or something, yeah. and yeah, and have and been... I'm not telling anyone else don't do math. Good, I, I am. I don't want to tell anyone else be the don't one do to, math. I'll I want tell to tell everyone else math. Make people should be allowed to do math if they dis- want to, but you probably Le- shouldn't. You know what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I wish to God I'd taken my college biology course ten ten before I tried math because I would have done different drugs. You should read about it on like Wikipedia or yeah. something. Meth. Yeah. yeah, read about meth on Wikipedia. If you think you may possibly make decisions without really thinking about them because of your upbringing or something, if you think there are things about you to work on, drugs will make you feel better faster, but actually getting mental health care pays off in the long term. I think that's okay. Good. But if you're 80, you should do meth. I think if you make it to 80... You get a you get a green pass. To do, uh, nobody do wants drugs. nobody wants to fuck an eighty year old man. You want to be on. You know, there's more to life than sex, Jamile. Yeah, Not I would. You know, I would maybe, try. Maybe if you would have realized that, you wouldn't have gotten high five. <laughs> I, I tried. I, God damn it, dude! I I tried. Uh, I'd try meth and heroin when I was eighty. When I'm eighty, it's just gonna be like fuck it, whatever. I'll put this shit. I'll put one in each toe, you know, like between both of my toes and just hammer them in at the same time and see what happens. You know, I I think that if I'm ever at the point where my quality of life is such that meth is a reasonable choice, I'm just going to kill myself. With meth or just like with like the the gun? Yeah. I, I, I oh, don't want to spoil the surprise. <laughs> my quality of life sober is much, much better than my quality of life when I use. I imagine so. Um, and not just with the spreadsheet showing yeah, the much spreadsheet higher quality. kind of had, like, kind yeah. of showed us what that looks <laughs> but, like. But, yeah, but in many, I could make many other spreadsheets as well. Maybe you should start making more spreadsheets. <laughs> I tried to, yes. You could write your story, but like your life story, but it would just be, but like you would just write it like it was like a, like an economics book, you know? And you're like, here's the math of my life of like how sad my life is. My life even, dude, my life has been pretty darn good and it is much better sober. I've enjoyed having you back around. I we you. you came you came, you came back around to like open mics, like what, like a month ago, two months ago? I too. <laughs> For listeners, it's very difficult to reach um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah he's yeah, across Falcon the table. Crest. Oh, mm-hmm. excuse me, Falco, El Falco, El Falc. It's the for our listeners. This desk made high five. No one cares about the desk. Thanks for listening to our podcast, everybody. I get did we we had some we had some life lessons for the cult, right? Research meth before you try it. Get mental health help. It's better than in the long run. Um, teach the kids to blow each other. And if you need clean needles. Uh, message yes, me on Twitter. That's the message and, uh, for the kids. And I'll get, I'll weed get you and some blow clean jobs, needles. not meth and anal. Yeah, weed kids. and blow jobs, not meth and anal. Not weed, though. Mushrooms and blow jobs. Yeah. Uh, just Fair. basically w- things that aren't going to fuck your life up <laughs> and blow jobs <laughs> All right. rather than meth and anal. Have a good night. Yep. Shalom.